everybody! Welcome or welcome back to Beat and Beat Anime in the New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! How have you been, Brad? How was your holidays? They haven't happened yet. Holidays were good. I got to soak in a hot tub. <laughs> That's easy enough to pre-record because I don't plan on leaving the hot tub during the holidays. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not complaining. How about you? Oh, well, my Christmas is the same as all of the Christmases that have ever happened throughout my entire life. I was with my family, we played board games, that's it. Yada! Yada! <laughs> yeah, the, that's, we have always had a very small Christmas, so I know mm -hmm. a lot of people are having an unexpectedly small Christmas this year compared to what they're used to, but we've always had, at least Christmas Day for, for my family has always been very, very small. The... Christmas Eve, we would normally go to my mum's mum's mm -hmm. house, my maternal grandparents' house, uh -huh. and then on Boxing Day, which I don't believe is a thing in the States, like you don't nope. have Boxing Day. Negative. Yeah, it was the day after Christmas. Oh. Yeah, and it's like a, it's like a bank holiday, you also get that off, and... Uh, I assume it's called Boxing Day, something to do with presents. I don't, I don't know if that's a, a thing. That it's called Boxing Day because of like all of the packaging that's left over from Christmas, or uh, and like the post office like had to deal with all of this, like all of these boxes, or if it's like Christmas sales that happen on Boxing Day that mean like uh, I, don't know. I don't know, I don't know the origin of of the term, but yeah, Boxing Day is a thing in Canada as well. It's one of those ones that that came across. Half of North America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I have no clue. I've heard of Boxing Day, but we definitely don't celebrate it here. Yeah, and anyway, on Boxing Day, we used to go to my dad's mom's house. So I used to have three Christmas dinners in a row where we lived in the UK. Oh. Which I feel like is pretty standard to people that have two sets of grandparents. Mm hmm. But yeah, now, well, ever since we emigrated, it has just been us doing our own thing just on Christmas Day. So yeah, I we've all had a small Christmas for the past 12 years, so it's not mm -hmm. super like unusual for us to have a small Christmas this year as well. Yeah, I'm starting to get in my feelings a little bit for this Christmas. That's already happened by the time this episode comes out. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's going to be different because this is going to be my first Christmas without my granny. And for the past... 20 years that I have memory. On Christmas Day, every morning, we would go to my granny's, whether it was my turn to be with my mom or my dad. And mm -hmm. this is my dad's mom. Mm -hmm. But we would always go to her house, and it was without fail, there would be oatmeal and breakfast casserole every single Christmas Day. What's a breakfast casserole? It's eggs, sausage, and a layer of biscuits on the bottom and absolutely covered in cheese because us Southern Americans like cheese. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's going to be the first year just without that tradition because it's been, like I said, my entire life, it has been without fail every single year that we've had this. Yeah. And so it's definitely feeling like an emptier Christmas for sure. It is, it is definitely weird when Christmases change. Mm. Or just any sort of tradition that you're just used to, especially for your entire, you know, memorable life, whether it be Christmas or any other sort of holiday or special occasion, any sort of change. Because humans are very much creatures of habit, so anything mm. that disrupts that causes a slight change in dynamic. So I totally get it, and yeah, I'm definitely feeling that this year for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you doing anything for New Year's? Or, like, did you do anything for New Year's? <laughs> <laughs> I have no plans at the moment. I'm working New Year's Eve, and then I'm probably going to either watch anime or play Siege and just chat with friends to ring in the New Year. Because it's... I've never been much of a partier. Those of mm-hmm. us... Or those of you that know me know that I cannot drink. My liver will not allow it. Mm-hmm. So I can't party. So yeah, I would much rather just have a quiet New Year's hangout and just enjoy solitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think last year I just slept through New Year's. Like, I think it was just like a normal day to me. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's that same way this year as well. I mean, not like anybody can go to extravagant parties this year anyway, or at least you shouldn't be going to extravagant parties this year. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I don't particularly feel like, I don't know, it's it, it's not my scene. Mm-hmm. I'm not much of a social person anyway, and if I am a social person, like I have a very strong social meter. And once I reach max level, <laughs> like once I've maxed out my social meter, I need to like back off. Mm-hmm. otherwise I'll get really anxious and it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. So I feel like being in those kinds of environments where you're surrounded by a lot of really extroverted people is a lot harder to just walk away mm-hmm. than I find with like friend group that like understands. I feel like I have a pretty good friend group of people that I can just be like, I love you, but fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I totally get that 100%. I have turned Walker and his whole group of friends into that. And that, honestly, I set the precedent whenever we were watching The Deathly Hollows Part 2. I think I told you about that and talked about this on the podcast, where it came to the final fight scene between Harry and Dumbledore, and I just left. Not mm-hmm. Harry and Dumbledore, fuck, Harry and Voldemort. And then yeah. just got up and walked out because I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. And a lot of that was in part of, for one, that scene in the film sucks compared to the book. But two... Mm-hmm. My social meter and just the group that we've been hanging out with, we had been together all day. Mm-hmm. And finally, my anxiety and social meter had just hit its peak. So I was yeah. like, okay, I literally just got up and left. I didn't say a word. I didn't say bye. But they all knew I hated that part of the film anyway, so they, they thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. But then Walker calls me like 30, 45 minutes later after I'd left. He's like, hey, so you actually left? And I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah. But setting that kind of precedent with people and, you know, making sure that people understand that, you know, once you get to that point that you need to be able to just get out and, you know, desensitize yourself and just collect yourself and be able to, I guess, function. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be able to do that. And it's difficult around my family, particularly who don't understand mental illness or anxiety or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like I remember back my freshman year of high school, whenever I first came out to my mother and grandmother and the, my counselor in high school, I guess about my depression and suicidal thoughts and tendencies Mm -hmm. that it was like none of them got it. Like, yeah. not even my counselor at school really no, got I it. Get and that. I was like, it's like, I, cause to them, it didn't make sense. Like, I'm 14 years old. Why do I want to end it all? Yeah. And even to this day, like, anytime I get in like one of those really low points, everybody just kind of looks at me. It's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, look, I know what's wrong with me. Don't ask me questions. Just let me, just let me get over it because I've learned how to deal with it. Like, I'm fine. I just need mm-hmm. to be left alone to actually deal with it because that's how I cope. Yeah. With it. Yeah. Well, it's like I had a very similar, similar but different experience 
than that in school. It's actually one of the main reasons why I dropped out of school. I didn't really realize it at the time, but I was diagnosed with ADHD. At the time it was ADD, but since then the medical texts have changed and now ADD isn't a thing and it's classified well as ADHD and then I think ADD is like a subcategory or something, I don't know. At the time it was like ADD and ADHD were two separate things, but they're not That now. sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so yeah, I was diagnosed with ADHD. And is first of all, it's incredibly rare for girls to be diagnosed with like autism, ADHD, things like that. It's mm-hmm. way more common to be diagnosed in guys than it is mm-hmm. girls. And because it shows differently because of societal pressures, things like that. Mm-hmm. Not the same symptoms. So it's not as obvious. And that's what I was that's what I was about to say too, is that I think typically it's more outwardly expressed in guys. Like I think it's a lot more noticeable where with women I think it's a little bit different in how it shows. Yeah, and that's I I'm not sure if that's I know it's not entirely chemistry, but I'm not sure if like chemistry is even a factor in it because I know the vast majority of like the impact of it is societal pressures of mm-hmm. girls being told when they're very, very young to be like better to be seen than not heard, you know? Whereas like boys get that, boys will be boys. So if they're being rambunctious, then they're being rambunctious, but girls aren't allowed to be. So things like, or like if um, they have like a, a outward expression or something, oh, it's just a girl throwing a temper tantrum. She's just emotional. You know, as opposed mm. to it being like a, there's a reason for this. I think we're heading towards a good direction with as far as stuff yeah. like that's concerned. Because the way that our generation and barely the generation prior that are raising their kids now. Mm-hmm. To where it's not so much that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I wasn't diagnosed until I was like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And, but by the time I was diagnosed... It was mid-school year of my 11th grade. And apparently, ridiculously, you can't register having ADHD or dyslexia or some kind of like learning disability mid-year and get help on exams. You have to register at the beginning of the year. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, like it's a thing. I don't know if that's just in my school district that I was in, but by the sounds of it, it sounded like that's like a widely common thing. I mean, so, I'm, I'm unaware if something like that were to, like if that's actually a thing or not, but that's because I've never, I've never heard of something like that happening. Yeah. So I guess it wouldn't necessarily be common for me to know something like that. Yeah, so for me, like I've always had, test anxiety vast majority of the reason having test anxiety is because it's a time limited thing and when you have adhd it's really hard time management is like one of the number one things that you struggle with procrastination time management distractions i mean it's in the name i'm sure the i'm sure the act or sat would have been a bitch for you yeah yeah, so I, I I think that's just an American exam. I wouldn't have taken that, but I would have taken my final exams, which would have been 40% of my overall grade, and which I feel like is on the same level as SATs. Yeah, so that would be grade 12 finals here in Canada. My uh, Canadian school districts can vary quite drastically between provinces and even then within districts. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, I'm. this is not a blanket statement for all Canadian schools, especially considering I assume that French schools are very different to English-speaking schools. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, so for us, it's, or it was when I was in school, I know it's changed now, but when I was in school, it was grade 10 finals are 30% of your overall grade. Grade 11 finals are 40% and grade 12 finals, your graduating year, are 50% of your final grade. 
and then it's based off of a credit system. So you get credits based on whether or not you take like AP social studies or it, it, we don't necessarily have AP, like we don't call them that. They're in levels. So it'd be like social one or social two. And if it's one, then it's the highest you can go. If it's two, then it's not, if it's social three. And then we had biology one, biology two, science 10, I think it's actually called science 10 as opposed to science three, because that would then, if you took science instead of biology, chemistry, or physics, then it would encompass all three. And it was like the lowest grade that you could get, but you needed to take English, social studies, either two sciences or science 10 and mathematics to graduate. You need to have all of those credits. And then you'd need to have like a few other credits just so you had like enough credits to pass. You see for us, at least in Tennessee, and at the time it was different. The rules have changed slightly mm -hmm. since then. And they changed in the graduating class before mine as well. Mm -hmm. So for my graduating class, it was, you had to have four science credits for English, for history, and for mathematics. And then mm -hmm. the rest had to be electives, but you had select electives. You had to have, I think, two PEs, two foreign language. Mm -hmm. And then the rest were entirely up to you. But by the time you sit down and break it out, if you have four classes a semester, two semesters across four years, that's eight classes a year. And by the time you break down everything you have to have, you're only allowed like two true electives a year. Mm -hmm. I spoke about this before. I blew all of mine on criminal justice. I'm not complaining. But it's very, it's such a limited amount to where you could you know, choose to try to focus study on other things. Mm -hmm. Because again, I'm really upset I didn't get to take broadcasting and stuff like that to where I could have learned all the skills I would have needed for now because I was, I had very few options to actually want to try to try out other things while also trying to specialize in criminal justice because at the time I thought I wanted to go into the law enforcement field or even potentially be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here I took... Um, we had five periods a day, so we had, I think we took five classes each semester. That rings a bell. Yeah, mm. five classes each, maybe six classes a semester. And so we had two electives each semester, mm -hmm. along with our core classes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, four, four electives a year. And physical education became an elective after grade 10. Grade 10 was the last mandatory year. Mm -hmm. And then you didn't need to take it for the last two. Because grade 10 was when the credits started counting. So grade 10, 11, 12 are your credits. You don't get credits in grade nine, even though mm -hmm. my particular grade nine was attached to the high school. A lot of other schools, their grade nine isn't actually attached to the high school and the high school only is the last three years. And the grade nine is actually attached to the middle school. Yeah, because y'all had a very similar grade system to the Japanese, correct? Yeah, like here how in we're Canada used to is, seeing yeah. in, uh, like how we're used to seeing in anime with the primary school, middle school, and then high school. Yeah, that's being yeah, like here in Canada. six, three, and three, right? Uh, no. He, well, it is technically, but the buildings that I went to were different. But mm. yes, that is correct. If if. I was in a different town in the same district. It would be six, three, and three. But mm -hmm. where I went to, it was five, three, and four, purely because oh. the buildings were built different. Um, I got you. And there was an exam. I think the reason why is because in grade six and grade nine, 
in my district, there's a like a government exam. I think it's called PATs, provincial assessment tests, mm-hmm. that you happen in yeah in grade six and grade nine, and they're just like a you know them the government trying to figure out where everybody is grade wise, but they're oh. made to be like a big deal, mm-hmm. which was fantastic for me because that was the first year I emigrated. I emigrated into grade six, so then I had to take this massive exam. I was like, oh great, <laughs> especially like I was fine on mathematics, sciences things like that. But social Mm -hmm. studies, it was the first year I'd ever taken Canadian history. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even know what all the provinces were. (laughs) Six months prior, I didn't even know Canada was a country. (laughs) God save the queen and all that. Well, you only learn about Europe. I mean, there's so much history in Europe that in primary school- There's so much history in Europe, dear lord. In, In primary school, if I was taking geography, we were only learning local geography in maximum, you know, we're learning, I knew like continents. And I knew that, you know, uh, but then we were learning like local geography and then European geography. And then in history, we were learning mostly about British history. And if we were going, you know, more global, it was still within Europe. We didn't talk about the colonization or anything. And then I come to Canada and that's the main subject matter. And all of these kids have already spent three years on it already. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but I can tell you in depth about World War One and World War Two. <laughs> Do you want to know about King Henry VIII and the Tudors? War of the Roses? I've got information on that. Oh, Napoleon. <laughs> I know about him. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's crazy how the wide ranges of study changes, especially just between, you know, here from state to state or even city to city. But I can only imagine how bad it would be going from continent to continent. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and that year was so bizarre. It's kind of like a fever dream looking back on it because so much like things that would be considered big events for a kid happened within like a year, six months, you know? Mm-hmm. M- moved to a new school, moved house, moved country, <laughs> got braces. My granddad passed away, had this massive exam, didn't have the exam that I was training to take because I was supposed to take the 11 plus, didn't take that. Changed my accent. <laughs> like, that's a thing. Just decided one day that I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be British anymore when I go to school. I had to make all new friends. Stopped having regular family coming round. Mm-hmm. My brother went to a different school. Like, that was weird. Because my brother's only two and a half years older than me. So mm-hmm. although he was going to a different school in the UK, it was like I was also training to go to the same school as him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, just kidding, no. Like, so much happened that year. I look back on it now and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I can I can see that, without a doubt. So, on the concept of learning, I learned something, I guess, in, like, the past few days. Oh, yeah? Or not necessarily learned, but I think I've cracked the code. Okay. So, you know how you and I had the discussion on why we think Attack on Titan was pushed back to this month? hmm I think I know why. Why? Do you know how many episodes the final season of Attack on Titan is supposed to have? No. 17. Oh. So, make sense now? Yeah, kind of. It's going to be like... Run from December through the end of the winter yeah. anime season. Instead of starting at the beginning of the fall season and then running like a month into winter, why not start in the final week of fall and then just run through winter? That way you're not trying to take up any important air time for a new anime season. Yeah. We need to cover Attack on Titan, honestly. Yeah. I can't, I can't hear Attack on Titan without thinking of Nigahiga on, on YouTube. He did anime uh, in real life, and one of his was um, Attack to Titan. You need to, you need to send me this video because I'm just, intrigued. 
It was such a stupid... It's like forever old because he stopped mm-hmm. doing those kinds of sketches anymore now. Mm-hmm. And just does gaming content and stuff. But yeah, that was the videos that he did like back in the day. I would say back in the day. Back in the day for him is big bouncing inflatable green ball. But like... <laughs> Do you remember that? Did you watch him? Yeah. Like back I know in the what day? you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. But it must have been like at least like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I also learned something. It's not anime related, but it is a thing. Okay. Coyotes mate for life. Well, that's nifty. Yeah, I didn't know that. I that is that. really nifty. Yeah. I learned something else too that is anime related and technically counts as news, but it's going to be old news by the time this episode comes out. Okay, what's your old news? I know how many core dr stone is gonna be two one really so season two is only going to encompass the stone wars arc that's probably quite smart i mean again you and i discussed what we thought they were gonna end up doing and if they followed the pattern of the first season that it was going to be too core however if all they're planning on doing is the stone wars arc it mm-hmm. makes sense to just do a Wrap core and then leave it yeah yeah. I wonder what they're going to leave us with cliffhanger-wise. Because there's, there's, if they're they're going to leave us on a cliffhanger, like we know. I, if this actually wraps up the Stone Wars arc, I don't think they will. You don't think they'll like hint at the start of a new arc? I mean, it depends on if they follow the typical shonen kind of linear pattern. Because mm-hmm. typically, the whole first season was the lead up to the Stone Wars arc. Yeah, That's true. all it led up to. So yeah. the Stone Wars arc, it's going to be its big blow-off. Mm-hmm. So they might leave a little snippet, like, end with the introduction of a new character, maybe. Kind of like, like season Wars. four of Food Wars did. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's pretty much just going to be a whole season of war and blow-off, and then that's it. Really? You don't think there's going to be any kind of, like, be prepared for the next season? <laughs> well, I think just because of the fanfare that season one had, mm. I don't think they expected Dr. Stone to blow up like it did. No, I don't think that I would have either. If I were in, like, the writer's room or something, board meetings, producers, whatever, compared to, like, Demon Slayer, if you look at Dr. Stone and you look at Demon Slayer and you compare the two of them, you can pretty much guarantee that Demon Slayer is going to be somewhat of a success. Oh, 100%. Launching. Like, it's it checks all of the boxes for a easy launch anime, you know? Mm-hmm. You know that you're going to hit the checkpoints for people who like anime. They're going to go... I'm going to give it a watch. So you can at least guarantee that the first season is going to get a considerable amount of views just based on the basic plotline. Dr. Stone, I feel like, was much more of a risk to be like, it's an anime about science and it's heavily based on science. It definitely seems like it's going to be a shonen niche anime, for sure. But once you get into it, I can see why it exploded and why it very quickly exploded. A hundred percent. But I feel like you couldn't have predicted that necessarily from the writer's room as much. I feel like it was much Unless more of the a... Unless the manga was doing better than we thought and we Maybe. just didn't notice. Maybe. But I just know as soon as it dropped, it took off. Mm. Well, it's so captivating and you feel intelligent watching it and anything that makes oh, yeah. the viewer feel intelligent is going to be a benefit. Mm-hmm. Oh, if 100%. Nobody wants to feel like an idiot. I mean, I know I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know I'm an idiot too. Nah, mate, you're I'm, fine. I'm selectively intelligent. There are some areas where I, I know that I like capitalize, mm-hmm. you know? I'm like, that's my area. That's my area of expertise. I do really well at that. Other areas, no fucking clue, mate. I'm right there with you. It's one of those things to where I'm ignorant on a lot of stuff, but I'm always willing to learn. Mm. However, 
I play an idiot as a bit, mm. which some people don't seem to understand. <laughs> My, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Jinx. <laughs> what was that anime we watched to where somebody said something and then if they jinx, they had to buy the other ice cream? Oh, um, uh, it was a music anime. Was Fuck, it Liz and the Bluebird? Maybe. There's a staircase. I think, it was. I think it's like, yeah, there's a staircase, a couple of girls. I feel like it's Liz and the Bluebird. Maybe it was. So, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, fuck, I'll get you another Starbucks gift card, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to say no to those. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how it bothers some people that I will literally just play an idiot. Oh, you know, I understand that. That's one of the most frustrating things in the world when you are like making self-deprecating humor and you are 100% aware that you're joking and you don't mean it. And then somebody goes, oh, but babe, like, no, like you're, you know, if you're like, oh my God, I'm so fucking ugly or something. And then somebody goes, but you're not though. You're so beautiful. And they take it seriously. And then Mm. you're just like, no, I, I know I was, I don't actually mean it. I, and then you're put in that awkward position of them trying to like pity you. Hmm. And you're like, but I, you know, and that's how I know I'm not true friends with someone. Oh, 100%. Because if you are true friends with someone, they'll just immediately start digging at you back. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so fat. Yeah, yeah, you are. You can stand to lose a few pounds. It's like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, oh like, I'm so I'll thick. Just... And it's just like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I'll just say stupid stuff. And obviously not mean it, because you can tell by the look on my face, I don't mean it. Mm. and they'll just be like are you really that dumb like my old boss from one of the other stores i'd work at i'd say something he would literally just cock his head and give me that look of like are you stupid you bullshitting me and then i just walk away laughing because it's it's just who i am like i enjoy playing an idiot as a bit i feel like that's why people love to watch me stream say something like the sims it's sims is not that hard to figure out but again i play an idiot as a bit because it's entertaining and for one, not only does it entertain other people, but it entertains me. And that's kind of the whole purpose of streaming is to, you know, for one, build a community that you can be proud of. But two, just to entertain everyone and yourself. Because if you're not entertaining yourself, what are you doing? Yeah, you're going to burn out real fast. Exactly. Because it's not, you can't go into streaming and think it's going to be a job. Because it's not. It took me five years to get to the point where I started making any sort of money off of Twitch. Mm. And so it was literally just me talking and making fun of myself and everything else that kind of got me, you know, to the point where I could do something like that. But again, it's just one of those things of, I just like being an idiot because I'm always, I'm always searching to learn new things and try to figure stuff out. So being able to just, you know, be an idiot, it humors me a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a ramble and a half. It was, wasn't it? But I don't know, that's been on my mind here lately. So that's just kind of why I was like. Huh, there's something to talk about. I Honestly, I think this podcast is the biggest representation of me just acting like an idiot. <laughs> but again, it's more or less just me geeking out about anime while yeah. being an idiot at the same time. Yeah, well, it's allowing yourself to like be a little bit silly about things that mm-hmm. are just like stupid. You know, nothing's important about anime. It doesn't matter. It It's just fun. It's just an escape. It's just... That is true. And I feel like a lot of that, too, just has to do with the fact that it's me and you that do this. Yeah. Like, we're not, like, we don't have anyone else a part of this. It's just me and you, two friends, just bullshitting about something that we absolutely adore. 
Yeah, that we sometimes have very different opinions on, and then we can like yell at each other about it. <laughs> that that is true. I feel like nothing is more prominent about that than our anime awards. Right? It's like fuck <laughs> off, mate. Don't fucking care. Honestly, these past few episodes, I couldn't be more proud of. It's been, it just gets more and more fun the longer we do this. Like, genuinely, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I think we're both getting not just, like, more comfortable with each other. Because, obviously, when we first started this, like, yeah, we knew each other. But, like, we knew each other in the Twitch circuit, which is very different than, like, sitting down and chatting with someone for three hours straight, you know? Yeah, that is is very true. Because you and I talked, and we streamed together. Mm. A good bit, but it was never like us just sitting down and truly talking. Our our failed YouTube stint kind of started that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but even then, like we had like something else to focus on because like we were game, we were playing the game, we were trying to like talk about what we were doing throughout the game. When you're streaming, you're obviously keeping an eye on chat and and all that kind of stuff. And so there's like extra layers to it whereas this was literally Mm. just us sitting down with a a topic and then just like blagging on about it for three hours yeah because we literally sit here for two hours and stare at a microphone yeah that is entirely (laughs) what this is it's yeah there's no we're solely focused on the topic and each other so it it definitely yeah we've definitely grown just in general but also i guess as friends and idiots yeah and so we've gotten way more comfortable with each other and then we've also gotten way more comfortable with talking about the topics like we found a good routine in like how we handle the podcast because like even though we say that we don't have any structure we did sort of develop a natural structure to these episodes and in our earlier episodes we're like not handling yeah we started out extremely structured like we planned out like what bits were gonna go where and like everything was definitely a lot more layered to where now it's free form there's still a natural order to things like it's bullshit news background and then go into the topic yeah But it's definitely, we've gotten a lot less strict on making sure that everything is perfect and has to be there. And it's more just about enjoying it, I guess. Yeah. Because it's funny, because we've also gotten a lot more brutal about what we talk about. Well, yeah, we're we're a lot less, like, restrictive on our opinions. Like, if we don't like something, we're not so afraid to, like, just say it was shit. Because I remember when I first started the podcast, it wasn't that I was, like, afraid to say it necessarily is that I didn't want to upset anybody and now I feel a lot more like to be honest I don't really give a shit if you're upset over an anime I I'm sorry that like you it means so much to you that you're like upset about it I got over that real quick because when did we cover dive like episode nine or ten yeah that's true I honestly feel like that's when that might have broken for both of us yeah I feel like it because as much as I hated it and ragged it for that whole episode and episodes to come. <laughs> it kind of became a joke that it's shite, even though it's not actually as bad as it is, as we make it out to be. But because it's like, it was our first negative review, it kind of became like, yeah, no, it's the worst thing ever. Honestly, I feel like if I went back and watched it now, I wouldn't hate it as much. Well, you had such an emotional reaction to it as well, didn't you? Well, it was, I I felt like you had built it up more to me than what it was. Because I, I remember like you it. telling me, I was going to say, I remember you telling me you really enjoyed it. I did. And I enjoyed because it. of things that you really enjoyed, because prior to that, the one thing you made me watch that you loved was Kids on the Slope. Yeah. 
So again, whenever I hear you say you really enjoy something, as much anime as you and I have watched, because at this point, I think you and I have collectively hit over the four-month mark, or individually, you and I have hit over the four-month mark. Collectively, yeah. We're, we've watched or collectively, we're almost at a fucking year. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was one of those things to where, I guess, you had built it up, and then because you had built it up, it built it up even more in my mind. Yeah. To where I, I watched it, and I was like the fuck is this is this what all sports anime are like is haikyuu like this as much as people carry on about haikyuu like the fuck nah, but then now bad. i'm just like oh i definitely realized that even after i've started haikyuu because i've already gotten a jump start on our january anime <gasps> oh my mom was laughing at me today because i was telling her about the time that i said our oh, bless his cotton socks to you and you was just like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> And then my mum started laughing at me, going, why would you say that to an American? And I was like, I don't know, it just came out. <laughs> do you remember? I do remember that, because I was on the podcast. And again, yeah. I think I forgot to edit out how much laughing I had to do whenever you hit me with that. Because <laughs> I said I'm, that today, I'm I was shit. like, oh. Uh, Tilly was doing something stupid, and I was like, oh, bless her cottons. And mum went, that's the one I haven't heard in a while. And I said, yeah, I told Brad about that one, and he like ripped me a new one. it was one of those just like i've never heard that excuse me what the hell did you just say well it was because it was in my response to oh bless your heart and then you hit me with that one and i was like what yeah bless (laughs) you what mate (laughs) oh bless your cottons yeah my mom told me why what it means Uh uh-huh Apparently you used to put like cotton socks and cotton gloves on and stuff when you ran, like, ran a fever or were sick because it was like an extra warm thing. You used to wear wool ones that were like really itchy and uncomfy. Mm-hmm. So they made like cotton ones, but they were more expensive and rarer, but they were obviously softer. So you'd put them on when someone was ill. Huh. So then you'd say, oh, bless their cottons when they were like, or you'd actually like bless their cottons, um, cotton socks and cotton gloves when, when they were ill. And then it became an expression expression of endearment. And then because we're sarcastic fucks, it became something that you used when somebody was making an idiot out of themselves. Yeah, that's that's definitely like, bless your heart. Yeah, oh, bless their heart. But it's, again, it can still be used either way. Either way, yeah. It's up to interpretation. Depending Typically, on how sarcastic it, you're feeling. Well, it's, if it comes out of my mouth... You're being a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it's a child or a dog, then I'm being serious. If it doesn't fall into either one of those categories, I'm not being serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely one of those. Yeah. If it's like under five or a dog. <laughs> yeah. Those are, those are the two. Oh, I, can, I can see that. Anyways, we've been rambling on for a whole new one. A whole... We, we've literally bullshit for an hour. <laughs> That's, I think that's a new record, to be honest. I, I think that is, but it just it just kept rolling like the fuck. It did, it did. And I'm not sure how much of that I'm actually gonna cut because I don't know how long this episode's gonna be. Because I have a feeling this next bit gonna be short. Yeah, and I'm not sure how long we're gonna be actually chatting about the movie as well. This might be really short on the album. Well, I mean, bit like we don't like we we don't have any news or anything to discuss, so it's literally just tad bit of background and then talk about the movie. Yeah. So, first questions first. Did you cry? I did. Oh. I didn't sob, but I think that's because I had a dinner break. You see, I was in a Discord party with a friend of mine, and we mm. screen shared it to where I could watch it. Mm-hmm. 
And so we were both in each other's ears because we left our mics unmuted. And we were both just sobbing. Oh. Because <laughs> I was just, I could hear her just absolutely losing it. And then I'm over here just. <laughs> and yeah. then And then the ED hits at the end. And I lost it again. Like I finally thought I was starting to compose myself again. Yeah. And then that ED hit and it just triggered it. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, I I did alright until about halfway through the film. And then pretty much dead on halfway, a little bit past halfway, there's a big twist. And that I mean it's a it's a film. There's always a big twist. Every film has a big twist. Mm-hmm. Pinnacle of the film bit happens but a little after halfway i think it is it's quite a bit afterwards i think it's like two thirds of the way through i think it happens like right at the hour mark yeah but funny you say that because i started to get choked up beforehand yeah because it starts to get emotional like 15 minutes beforehand because there's a lead up to the twist and it like gets you set in motion. Now, granted, you expect a twist to happen, but you don't expect what actually happens to occur. Yeah. That it happens, and just whenever it happened, I... I'm sure you know what, I'm, what I want to compare this to. Do I? Uh-huh. Think Maybe. of a manga. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that happened, and it just, I like... I they're shockingly similar now that I think about it. Dude, no joke. I had trauma whenever it happened. Like, I saw that scene in the film, and then that triggered, and I think that's what, like, actually got me crying. Threw you over the edge, yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't, like, it wasn't just tears. Like, it was actually, like, I had to mute my mic for a second, because I was like, (laughs) I had so much lead up into this, and I knew how emotional this film was going to get, because Mm -hmm. I pay attention to a lot of the anime circles on the internet and whatnot, especially for this podcast now. Because Mm -hmm. I like to see what's worth covering, what's not. And also, just ever since we watched Bunny Girl Senpai, this has been on my radar ever since. Yeah. And so, when it came time to... Or after we finished Bunny Girl Senpai, I started looking around at the circles of the film to see if it really would be worth our time. And I saw how emotional it was. And how much they said it actually impacted the story of the show. And then whenever the twist happened in the film, I was like... Is this permanent? Mm. Like, it literally started to set in of, oh. This is how it's going to be. Yeah. Like, it's such a weird topic because the film is, again, what the show is as a whole. It's such a learning plot twist. It's unreal. Yeah. Well, it's like philosophy and physics had a baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Then you take that and you animate it and you get Rascal. Mm. And it's just... Uh, it's so good yeah so prerequisite going into this if you are listening to this and you're looking to get something about it or get something out of it please go for one watch the show because the show is 100 percent a solid 9.5 in my opinion yeah definitely up there and so go watch it it's 12 13 episodes yeah it's a really quick binge So go watch that or go listen to our first episode if you want to, whatever fucking works, and then come back or go watch the film and then come back to this. Because again, it's one of those I'm highly going to recommend going to watch the film. Do not spoil this for yourselves. Yeah. 
because it is so worth the watch. It is an hour and a half of an absolute masterpiece. Like I could sit here and gush about it and gush about it and gush about it and not get anything accomplished just because there's so much to talk about and unpack. But yeah, go watch it yeah. and then and I, come back. I will also put a trigger warning out there for both the TV series and the film of a lot of different things. Child neglect, childhood sickness. There's a lot of things in the here that can be triggering. So I recommend if you do feel like you might be a little bit more sensitive to this, it's a very heavy film, very heavy series. Um, I know you can go online and check which triggers specifically apply to which shows. So I would recommend that you do that for this show. Hmm. 100% agreed. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of background, although nothing has really changed between this and Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Shoichi Masui. It was made by Cloverworks. If you're not familiar with Cloverworks, they have done Darling of the Fronx, Persona 5, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. They have done Ace Attorney, Fairy Tale and The Promised Neverland. And it's a film that ran for 89 minutes. It was released into Japanese theaters on June 15th of 2019. And are you ready for these box office figures? Let's hear them. So, in Japan alone, it made 3.77 million dollars. Or 377 million yen. Worldwide, it made a grand total of 3.76 million dollars. So just a tad bit under what it made in yen. Mm -hmm. And yet we look at Demon Slayer that is about to cross the 31 billion yen mark. Yeah, I feel like up until Demon Slayer, that would have been a really successful anime film. I mean, I mean, outside I know of Spirit- Dragon Ball, like, as far as recent goes, Spirited Away, nothing compared to Spirited Away until Demon Slayer. Yeah, I feel like the standard for anime films now, because of Demon Slayer, is going to be so unusual. And I think there's going to be, like, a while of, like, readjustment, like, a readjustment period of studios and what their goals are for monetary profit on on films because like up until this point i don't think that they really thought that like anything other than something like you know i don't think they ever thought that a standalone that not a standalone film could do as well as demon slayer did so you want to uh you want to know how well dragon ball super broly did in theaters let's hear so in the japanese box office it did four billion yen worldwide it did a hundred and twenty four point five million dollars (sighs) so it definitely it outgrossed the bunny girl senpai film by a margin of let's see here well over a thousand percent yeah and not to say that that's not you know there's anything wrong with the bunny girl senpai film by any means but again it's just a difference in yeah just how much people knew about it but i feel like I still feel like that was a successful run. I honestly wonder what the budget was on the Bunny Girl Senpai film because the budget for Dragon Ball Super Broly was $8.5 million. So it more than made its money back. So with that being our background, I'm going to give a quick overview of the film. I am going to put on the spoiler warning first if it hasn't already gone on, but I'm not going to go into massive detail. So if you uh, if you don't like mind a couple spoilers of po- like possible spoilers 
of the first season. I'm not going to spoil the film, but of the first season, yeah, I, I'm like you guys know, like I'm not going to go into crazy details about the film. So if you haven't seen the film, then this is just a description of that. But because you need to have watched the first season, I may say something that spoils the first season. I don't know. That makes sense. Makes sense to me. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. So it's based around our same couple, same main couple, Sakata, Mai, and Shoko are our three main, like, featured folks around this film. And it's based on Shoko's relationship with the couple and her going through puberty syndrome. And, yeah, it's based on, like, her circumstances. Mm -hmm. And specifically around her multiple age ranges that exist simultaneously throughout this existence. And how they're trying to allow her to exist in one lifetime, in one time period. As opposed to, I think it ends up being like three or four different versions of herself. Three versions of herself? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, that are all existing in the same time period simultaneously. That's the main... Uh, it's like, what is it? Um, it's, it's puberty syndrome, but it's like a weird like qu quantum entanglement situation. Yeah. And then we do see reoccurring characters of pretty much all of the characters that were in the first season. Mm -hmm. So if there's anybody that you were like really attached to within the first season, I think everyone comes back except Dad, which we don't miss him. Yeah, the only time he's even mentioned is whenever he calls Kaede and be like, hey, you're going to stay with your grandparents. Yeah, so but I feel like everybody else comes back. All the, the teens come back, I feel like. This, um, uh, this film, it, oh. Oh, I just thought of something, what? and I'm going to have to discuss it with you at the end. Okay. Because it's, I don't know why this just hit me, but because of the- Okay, we'll so, talk about it. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. But yeah, it's based around them. It's based around the fact that um, Choco was obviously his first love, and so there's like some conflicts going on there in the romance department. Rascal does not- dream of blank um it as consistently as a series does have this underlying element of romance that is consistent throughout the film as well as it was throughout the first season it does carry through the film is probably as heavy as the first season so if you found the first season to be too heavy for you film is on par with that so just bear that in mind if you found that like first season like manageable then yeah it's not going to get worse in this film i don't think no I it's definitely not going to get worse Mm -hmm. But it's still heavy, and it's incredibly heavy for half the film. Mm -hmm. So if you have anxiety over stuff like that, you gotta you gotta be a little careful. Yeah, and I do feel like that it is, but obviously because it's a film, it's longer format, so you don't necessarily have the ability to like end an episode and walk away for a bit because you're watching a film, so it is that longer time period. So just bear that in mind as well. You might need to take some breaks. Or don't take a break, because if you do take a break, you're going to be like Blue and not cry like you should have. Or <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to cry, take a break. Um. <laughs> yeah, I can I can agree with that. I feel like if I would like gotten up and taken a break or something, or got myself some water, then yeah. it definitely wouldn't have been as heavy. But if you're like me, and you enjoy a good cry, stay where you are, and just buckle up. Uh, I get such bad headaches after I cry that I'm just like, nah, it's not worth it. <laughs> You know, honestly, it was worth it. Because you know how I told you a couple weeks ago I needed a good cry? Mm. I needed a good cry. And I That's felt better afterwards. Yeah, no, I'm 
I don't know. I don't I don't find them super cleansing to me. I find them really exhausting. You see, it was one of those things where I just been so wound up. Maybe it was all the sports anime and shit that we've watched. I don't know, but also I've just been just super fucking stressed over everything and i've been like just again like i've been trying to fix my sleeping patterns but i've fallen back into sleeping very little Mm -hmm. so whenever i watched that film i was off the next day i slept like a solid 16 hours it was great you sent me a text that was like i slept 13 hours straight i'm like oh okay i've i have again whenever i have my crashes and whenever they're that bad i've I wake up and I'm like, has it been 37 years? <laughs> it's like Robin Williams, whenever he wakes up in that film. What year is it? Ten years. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those. Yeah, no, I feel yeah. But yeah, I feel like uh, there's a heavily went on there about overview of the film. Is Really good. I recommend giving it a watch. And if you haven't given it a watch already, go do that. Come back, listen to the rest of this because spoiler chicken hats are officially on and we're going to jump into film discussion. Yatha! Yatha! I'm excited. I'm excited to sit down and discuss this. Yeah. So I didn't actually take any notes of this film. We're going to take this a lot more free form, a lot more like chill because it is our first episode of the year and we figured that we would just take it easy for this first one and that's why we did a film it's also why i didn't take any notes for it we can just like talk and and go through it bit by bit because i feel like between the two of us we'll get the plot in line not only that but i feel like another reason you forgot to take notes is because you were captivated so you forgot yeah well i was right? pretty captivated no? by the film that is, it is an aspect um i normally take notes when watching films either in like 20 minute intervals so i'll watch 20 minutes of the film whatever film it is, and then take notes of those 20 minutes and then watch the next 20 minutes. Or I'll watch the whole film and then take notes afterwards. But because this film was so like intense, after I watched the whole film, even with the break in between, I felt like I needed another break. I was like, I'll I'll come back and take the notes later. And then later never came because I procrastinate and it just didn't happen. I know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm the worst procrastinator you will ever see. Yeah. It's just, it's it's who I am. It, it yeah. cannot be helped. Yeah. No, it's one of those things that I am actively working on to better myself with because I'm horrible with it. But yeah. So we start off with <clears throat> our main characters, Sakata and Mai, who have now been dating for like six months, I think. Like a Something while. Something like that. Yeah, they've yeah. been together for a while. And Mai is in her graduating year and Sakuto is in his... Junior ju- year? Junior. I never know the years. We don't call them by like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior in Canada, or at least where I went to school in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I just get really confused. when I know freshman is the first year and I know senior is the last year, but sophomore and junior just are confusing to me. I'm like, I don't know which one's which. So I always just say year 11, grade 11. That's how it would come to me. I mean, it works. Either way, people get oh, the yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny because Sakata's in his junior year and Mai is in her senior year. So it really is Senpai Kohai. It really is. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh. And yeah, and it's it's 
focusing on Shoko, who I believe, like, there's there's young version of her that's looking after the cat. And then all of a sudden, I think in the beginning of the film, college-age version of her just, like, waltzes into their into his apartment and just says, I'm, I'm living here now. Yeah, so there's, you have middle school version of Shoko, which is the current day version yes. of Shoko. Although even then, that's also technically questionable. It's thrown into question towards the end of the film. Yeah, then you have grade four, who it's, I believe, most of the time in flashbacks. I don't think she's actually in the present time period, but she does feature. So you see a flashback of her for like the very first scene of the film. You see her struggling with an assignment in class. Yes. But you can't really tell who it is for the time or being. Or what the assignment is, yeah. honestly, I saw it and I thought it was my. Me too. They and look then, very similar, except for the, the fringe. They're very similar looking. That and the, like, hair tie-up tassel things? Yeah. That's it. That's really the only difference. And maybe a slight bit of hair color, but that's color brain being picky. Yeah. But he has one of those, I, I legitimately thought it was just a younger Mai. And so that mm. was the style choice they went with. But it's alluded to that maybe the time that Sakata and Mai and all of them are living in is technically the future later mm-hmm. on in the film. And it's the fourth grade version of Shoko that is the, that's in the present. Yeah. But again, all questionable. Yeah. And then there's college version, there's middle school version, there's fourth grade version. And then there's, yeah, and, and then, like, I don't know, it's very confusing and quite complicated. It's one of those films that you really have to pay attention to what you're watching or you can get lost pretty quick. Uh, yeah, because the film is very fast and heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those, especially if you watch it in Japanese, if you miss it, you've missed it. So then we basically discover that Shoko, who was um, obviously Sakura's first love, has actually been suffering from a illness, and that's why. Because like, there's conflict at the beginning of the film where she's talking to him, and, and he's like, "Are you, you going to take the cat home?" You know, I know you said that you wanted to like look after it, and she apologizes and says, "You know, I don't really know how to ask my parents for it because I know that they just say yes, and that means I like I don't really want to ask." And he's really confused about it. And later on, he finds out that the reason why she doesn't want to ask her parents about taking him the cat is because she's actually suffering from a sickness. And so her parents would just say yes, regardless, because they want to do anything to make her happy. And of course, that makes her feel weird about it because she knows that other kids don't just get that like immediate, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And she doesn't really know how to like, she doesn't know if that makes her feel uncomfortable or happy. And she knows that that means that her parents love her and, and really want her to be happy and all this kinds of stuff. But she's like, it's obviously very conflicting feelings for her because she gets what she wants, but she's not being treated like a normal kid. Mm-hmm. And then you find out actually that it's it's heart disease and she's really, really sick. And they said that, mm-hmm. that it's not expected that she's going to live past middle school. Mm-hmm. And that's when you realise that this film is going to be a shit ton of heavy. <laughs> yeah, that's whenever it starts to get heavy. And then a couple days later, film time, you figure out how much heavier it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so obviously... You know, Sakura and Mai are very concerned about Shoko because, like, even though that Mai is, like, kind of a, a, a love rival, even though not at all, because, like, that was, like, past emotion and, and nothing ever developed of that. So, but, like, Mai obviously is has those feelings of, like, well, that was his first love, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those things to where 
any woman partner or just in general, anybody that's going to be in that situation is going to be a little bit jealous and a little bit worried, especially whenever Shoko is staying at Sakuta's house. Yeah. And, and so Mai does have those conflicted feelings. Obviously she has, she has a lot of faith in her boyfriend, which is good. We do appreciate that. Trust in a relationship is what is needed. Um, (laughs) and, uh, uh, but she obviously is, She's a high school girl, you know? She's feeling a little bit insecure about everything. And, and with their history, I think that's reasonable for her. Not that he ever did anything to mean that like she doubts him, but just because she has a history of insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that is consistent throughout her character in this film as well. But she is also then feeling conflicted on top of that because she doesn't want to feel jealous because this girl is going through so much. And, you know, she wants to be there for her and, and support her boyfriend in supporting her. But, like, it's a whole load of emotions. Although, one thing I will say, not gonna lie, I would have a lot of faith in someone who literally confessed their love in front of the whole school <laughs> like he did. <laughs> I've seen a lot of love confessions in my time for anime, but that was, for one, the least mega cringe, if that makes sense. Because yeah, if something like that a, had happened in cringe, any other anime... It would have been really cringe. Yeah, and that's the least cringe I've ever seen something like that. Honestly, it was kind of adorable. Not gonna lie. I absolutely despise things like that but that is just my personal preference. I mean, for maybe for somebody else, if that's like how they want to do then that's fine. But I feel like if anybody tried to do anything like that with me, I, it would be immediate grounds for terminating the relationship. Oh no, I 100% agree. Like, you've seen those, like, promposals and shit like that? Yeah. Like, like public, that? yeah, actual public proposals that happen in, like, baseball stadiums on, like, the kiss cam and shit. Yeah, like, like, that? Like, no. fuck off. Like, I could never do, I could never put my partner through anything like that. Because that if is, that were to happen to me, somebody would get punched. It's so manipulative. It really is. And on, on the surface, it does not seem that way at no. all. And it's never intended to be that way. No. But if you look at it from a psychological perspective, it is. Yeah, it's really, really manipulative. And the thing about it is, is like, I've heard so many times when people say yes in those moments and then behind the scenes, they then say no. Could you imagine proposing, getting a yes, thinking that everything is all happy and then behind the scenes, they actually say, I just didn't want to humiliate you in public. I actually want to say no. And then you have to go through all of those processing emotions of being like going from that high to then reality. It's like riding a roller coaster and then getting off. Yeah, like like one of those, like, such a high and then just immediate low. Yeah, it's like you're not just putting your partner through turmoil of having to lie to your face and act like they're happy about the situation when they're clearly uncomfortable. But then you have to then face the the music of uh, doing that to yourself. You put yourself Mm -hmm. in that situation. The only time I could ever, like, say if that's okay is if, like, you had previously had a serious conversation where you were like, yes, we are planning to get married within the next so-and-so amount of time and you just haven't, like, bought the ring, but you're already effectively engaged, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Which you'd I feel have like to a be... lot of times you kind of, or at least nowadays, people have that conversation to, yeah. beforehand. Yeah. But again, and I feel like it's more to... common to do stuff like that. Because again, if you intend on marrying somebody, I feel like you're going to make that known well before you actually propose. I just don't feel like it's going to be one of those true pop out of the blue type things Mm -hmm. and then obviously you have to be fully aware of your partner's comfort zone of Mm -hmm. like whether or not they're okay with being blasted in public 
Yeah, but again, like, I, my social anxiety would not allow me to propose to someone in that manner. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine if I were to be the one that would be being proposed to. Immediate panic attack. I would go into an immediate panic attack. And I don't even have social anxiety. Like, I would collapse if I, just thinking about it now, because I'm single. I shouldn't even have anxiety thinking about this. But if I were trying to propose in a baseball stadium or some sort of shit right now, my heart feels like it's already about to explode out of Yeah, I feel sick just thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, like, no. (laughs) But anyways, so, they then discover that um, Shoko and uh, Sakuto's like chest wound are connected because when she went like he's been visiting her like middle school version in the hospital a lot and they've been like getting on and it's near Christmas time this film is set like within the first f- first couple of days before Christmas it's actually a really good time for us to watch it not such a good time for us to release the episode but a really good time for us to watch it was right before Christmas because it's Christmas based um, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, hey, we're watching this right before Christmas. Yeah. In fact, I think I watched this on the first date of the film because I think the first date of the film was the 17th mm-hmm. of December. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hey, that's today. That's today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's been visiting her, visiting her consistently while she's been in a hospital middle school version. Of, oh, my God, I can't even talk. He's been visiting middle school version of her consistently whilst she has been in hospital. And she's been getting progressively worse. And she's also got this like piece of paper in front of her that's this homework from her fourth grade school year, which we saw the clip of at the very beginning that Brad talked about, where it was like a future plan, like what you want to do when you grow up kind of thing. And you're supposed mm-hmm. to like put however many years in the future, it's got like numbers. It's like one year in the future, I want to do two years in the future, I want to do five years in the future, I want to do 10 years in the future, I want, you know? And um, and when she was in fourth grade, obviously she was struggling really heavily with this, which also, at the teachers of that classroom, oh, fuck you. Yeah. Like, clearly they know what's going on with her sickness because of the amount of days that she would have been extracted from school for, that they spoke about that she was extracted from school a lot. And then they still give the classroom that work whilst on a day when she is in school could they have not put that as an assignment could they not have waited to a time period of when they knew that she was going to be out of school for a while well i think that they said it was around her fourth grade years whenever she first started to get sick okay if that's the case then it's more like she she knew she was sick but i don't think those around her knew that she was sick i feel like teachers are one of the first people to know though when kids are sick uh maybe in japan but not not around here, especially really? with something that's as, you know, I guess as gradual as heart disease would be. Mm. I feel like in and the UK, I mean, UK, especially it's as gradual those... as Shoko's. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in the UK, it's one of those things of like teachers are like, it's like doctor knows, family knows, friends knows, teachers know. I feel like it's really quick to get to the schools, but it might just be the fact that we've got like the NHS and stuff, and like so it's it's much more government based, and so the national health system, and so it's like it it seems more like a natural progression that it would all be connected. Because I remember like when I was a kid and I like hurt my thumb, my teacher knew before I went to school the next day. But again, it's one of those, if you're in the hospital and it's, you know, it's going to cause you to miss school, then yeah, it would make sense. But here, like in the States, I'm not going to lie, schools, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like the only thing they give a shit about is whether you are at school or whether you are not. And if you're not at school and you have no excuse, your parents go to fucking jail. Hmm. Like, 
Not going to lie. Again, going back to the education system, because we get back on this topic a lot for some reason. We need to American stop American educational anime. systems are... Okay, we just immediately eliminated 80% of the anime we could ever possibly watch. Right? All sports animes, gone. All sports anime, all slice of life anime, gone. Yeah. But, yeah, like, just the schools here, they don't give a fuck. The teachers care but the school systems themselves no mm-hmm. like i i can count on one hand the amount of teachers that knew about my depression and actually cared mm-hmm. actually i can count it on two fingers out of the fucking 32 i think that i went through yeah so again it's just it's one of those things did you get your vaccines in school uh we actually get our vaccines at an extremely young age like i think we get vaccinated at two or some shit like that like we get vaccinated extremely young but don't you have like more vaccines when you get older i don't remember because i had vaccines like as a baby infant vaccines and then i had them in middle school and then i had them again in high school i i can't remember i want to say we get vaccinated as an infant at two Mm mm-hmm and then maybe elementary school. Really? But again, I can't. I, I know that. Don't remember. I I expect that um, girls in your school system would have gotten another vaccine when they got older, because girls have to have more vaccines than guys. Yes, I think y'all have what like two or is it one or two extra? I think that it's, have yeah, to get one or us? two extra. Yeah, I know I had more vaccines than normal because i miss some of the north american ones that you have when you're really little because we mm-hmm. wouldn't have them in europe because of like the fact that different things were around or like i had ones that in europe that aren't necessary out here like i think there's like a mad cow one that i think i might have had i don't know though i don't really remember mm-hmm. but i know that i had like <laughs> like 16 when i was in high school i had like 16 vaccines obviously there were like multiple of certain vaccines you know you have like one they have to wait like three months and then they give you a booster yeah but i had like you know mmr measles mumps and brubella and then like there's a chicken pox vaccine even though i had the chicken pox they gave me a chicken pox vaccine as well did you have a ch- chicken pox i uh, never had chicken pox no so you would i was had that around vaccine. someone who had and yet i still didn't get it my brother had chicken pox i caught it from him <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, someone else around me got it, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I still never got it. I guess my vaccine was just super strong. Yeah, no, it spread through my Also, speaking of vaccines, uh, today our first uh, healthcare workers got the first vaccines for COVID. Ooh, that's fun. So that was uh, was interesting to see the news and press coverage on, and also just see how excited all of my nurse friends are about it. Yeah. Well, no, it's like like the fastest vaccine to have ever come out. It's like really historically important. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it's also necessary, too. Yeah, super necessary. But that's also just a testament to how far our medical science has come. Mm -hmm. Man, they got Senku in those labs, man. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) um but yeah like how do we get on vaccines oh yeah healthcare we went on a tangent mate but yeah shoko sick bad she's sick and it's somehow connected to um takata's chest scratches because yeah when he was at the hospital hanging out with her and she was doing her like what she was going to do in the future thing and like the paper that she's got with like the what she's going to do in the future starts adding stuff to the page even though she's not writing on it but it's like her handwriting 
But it's like, you know, uh, go on a date with the guy that I love. You know, things like that, that are going through her um, history. Go go to university, I think was one of them. Get married, I think was one of them. Um, and then there's like a few that are like clearly future, future goals that she didn't write when she was in fourth grade because she couldn't finish the, the paper. She got like upset and, and didn't know what to write and so didn't write it. And then all of these things are suddenly appearing while she's in middle school in a hospital bed. And then while he's hanging out with her one of these days after school, she collapses. And as she is being wheeled back into ICU, he also collapses. And then you look at his chest and he's got the blood going through the wounds on his chest again. And he lifts up his shirt and like the three scratches are predominantly bleeding and like he ends up collapsing himself and then waking up in hospital and it is there explained because he wakes up to shoko and mai Mm -hmm. and shoko explains that the reason that they're connected to shoko is because sakata dies in a car accident and shoko is the one that got sakata's heart yes which begs the question if he was in a car accident Mm -hmm. and he died the same car accident that we see in the film does not explain those wounds. The chest scratches. Yes. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I I didn't actually equate them to car accident wounds. I just thought of them as like heart transplant chest wounds. I don't know. But I didn't again, really that would be vertical. It. it would literally be No, it would be showcase. like, yeah, the surgery scar. I, I, it wasn't even like I was thinking about the surgery scar. It was just like the grief wounds you know like mental scars uh, appearing physically on the body that's how i kind of Mm. interpreted it well i saw it and i was just like wait a second (laughs) the wheels started turning because she said that sakata dies in a car accident and he since he had a donor card his heart goes to shoko and i was like wait it literally looks like a tiger took its paw Mm -hmm. and just ripped his chest open yeah, yeah. No, in Explain my head. Explain how it, this came from a car accident. <laughs> in my head, it wasn't a literal those car accident injuries appearing on his body. It was more of the like interpretation of of chest pain, grief, physically appearing on his body. Does that make sense? It does. I went with the moral. Still, <laughs> but it still doesn't make sense. No, I suppose not. My question with that though is whether or not that is scientifically accurate, like medically accurate for. a teenage boy nearly adult boy physically to have his heart transplanted into a female middle school girl i don't I know mean, if considering they're both still growing as long as they're compatible and it's you know especially in a life or death situation because it looked like shoko was about to die mm. so in a life or death situation it makes sense that as long as they're actually compatible they're not that far off in age. They're literally, because if she's in middle school. But they're quite off, off in size is the thing. But then I suppose, like, I don't know. I just, I just, it, it occurred to me that I wasn't sure if that would be, like, viable donation in the real world. I don't know, though. I Because I know with, like, certain things, like skin transplants and stuff like that, there are so many more, like, check boxes that they have to go across. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure like about heart a donations. Heart is so, a heart is so less common. Mm-hmm. that i feel like as long as they're truly compatible and especially considering there's like no way they're more then. than like anime three like three years apart they're both still growing so I, technically i don't foresee that being an issue but again yeah. i'm not a doctor i'm an idiot 
Yeah, I yeah, it it just I thought that, and I was just like, I'm not sure if that's like if if that would be viable IRL or not. But because I don't know, I'm gonna just give them the benefit of the doubt that it is viable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't know. It got me curious. And they find out this information on I think like December twenty second. I think. Yeah, and he's gonna die on Christmas Eve. Uh, was it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Eve. Oh, then I think mm-hmm. it was the 21st then, because I think there's like a three-day gap in between. Okay. And so during this three-day gap, my nose and Sakata knows, but nobody else really mm-hmm. knows. But uh, Futaba can yeah, tell Yeah, she kind of puts two and two together. She's the one who initially figured out that it was his heart or like something was going on with the the scratches and his connection to her. And uh, and then it was confirmed by Shoko in the hospital when he woke up. Mm-hmm. And Futaba was the first person to actually break down and be like, what are you going to do? Like, don't, like, like you have to change the future. Like, you can't die. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was just like, hold up, wait a minute. And then uh, a couple days later, the day before Christmas Eve, Mai just grabs Sakata and is like, hey, come on, we're, we're going on a trip. Mm-hmm. And they get on a train, take a train. And then they get to a train station. She's like, okay, now I got to find the furthest one away from here. Mm-hmm. And Sakata's just like, what, what are you doing? And she's like, look, you're not going back. Like, I want you to choose me and choose life. Because if you don't, I'm going to hate you and all this other stuff. And it was, it was heavy, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. This is where I started crying. Yeah. Well, it's really, it's one of, because Maya is one of these people that she just doesn't outwardly express her affection towards him a lot yeah she's always composed yeah so when you get those rare moments of raw emotion with her character it really seems so much more real and dramatic and like intense than it would do someone who is already quite expressive Mm -hmm. and uh and so yeah so the 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 theory the well the, the going like idea is that he has two dates on uh christmas eve one with Mai, one with Shoko. And Shoko tells him that she wants to go to this, like, lights festival. And she says that uh, that's where... She tells him, like, they set up the date before he knows about his death. So he says, she says, this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to this lights festival. And so then when Mai says, I've got a free evening, um, let's spend the day together. Um, he says, oh, I don't want to go to the lights festival. Let's go to the aquarium because there's this jellyfish show that I want to go see. And so he, and they're both at 6 p.m. And so he's, he knows that he's got these two dates and it's between him choosing to go to Shoko, to the lights festival, to his death, or to the aquarium, to the jellyfish show with Mai to live, effectively. And college-age Shoko tells Sakata, she's like, look, go on your date with Mai, go to the aquarium, do not go to the light show. Mm -hmm. Because she's like, look, I've lived a good life and I want you to live on. And so Sakata, he leaves the hospital because he just got done visiting young Shoko. Mm -hmm. And as he's leaving the hospital, he's going to head towards his date with Mai. And then he gets a thought that maybe adult Shoko is like trying to double cross him and try to send him in a way that would actually benefit her. So immediately turns around and runs the other way. Mm Mm-hmm. And not only does he do that, but what he does is he actually runs in the direction of 
getting himself killed. Yeah, he wants to self-sacrifice so that she can live. He's decided that he is going to um, allow her to live and he's going to sacrifice himself. And so he runs to the location and he jumps in front of the car. Well, he doesn't jump in front of the car. He stands there and allows the car to hit him. Uh, But just as the car is about to hit him, Mai, who obviously knew her boyfriend very well, pushes him out of the way, gets hit by the car herself. And boy, oh boy, do the waterworks start here. Mm-hmm. And so immediately this... all I saw was Fuka and yeah. I broke down. Yeah, so this is what we were talking about earlier before we put up the spoiler warning about very, like, they're quite comparable. There's and a lot so... of traffic accidents, traffic collisions in um, anime, huh? Honestly, I'm pissed off at Sakata. This was his one chance to get isekai'd. And in the vein of... That time I got reincarnated as, reincarnated as a slime, this is his one chance to get his harem of elf girls, and he failed. Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> it was a truck. It was truck-coon. It was mm-hmm. there. Yep. Honestly, I wonder where Maya got isekai'd to in the law of anime. Yeah. It's starting life in the same world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's how this story went. Right? Yeah. Um... But anyway, so she dies, and b- because she dies, and the world is kind of set in order, somebody's died, the heart is available, the surgery can happen, it means that everything is kind of reset. Like, everything is completed, the story is finished, you know? But college-age Shoko disappears mm-hmm. for the time being. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, so but... it's like everything is as it should be. Except yes, for the fact and... that the wrong person died. Because, like, basically what is needed is somebody to die. One of the three has to die. Mm-hmm. And Sakuta is just distraught. Yeah, like, the... he can't function. He can't do anything. He sees all the media coverage of And Mai's days death. go by. Yeah, like, literally a full week goes by and he just sits in his house and does not move yeah and then the next bit gets kind of fuzzy because i was too busy solving but i think it was along the lines of he goes and stays at futaba's house because they think the media is gonna absolutely swarm sakuta because they know where he lives well there was video coverage of the accident yeah there's video coverage of the accident and because she's like a famous idol as actress um, and he was her known public boyfriend, and then he mm-hmm. it video shows her saving his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he would be handed by media, which is disgusting to think about, but it, it's actual. It's unfortunately true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then eventually, um, adult Shoko ends up coming to see him. He and and drags him basically to the hospital because she says you need a bed for this, and uh, drags him to the hospital, and she spikes his drink. Again, throwback to the first season mm-hmm. from where Mai spiked his drink. And she tells him, because she's like, look, she's like, you can go back and set it all right. Like, mm-hmm. you can go back and set it all in motion and get her back, but you have to do it right. Yeah. And so he he goes back in time to the 24th, and it's a repeat of the Mai situation. Yeah. Of the first season of where he exists, but no one can see him. Yeah, he's got to find somebody that's able to see him that's that's within the same quantum entanglement as him. Mm -hmm. And I love how they played this off. (laughs) Yep. So (laughs) he ends up bumping into... Let me see if I can find her name because I don't remember it. I can't remember her name either. Is it Tomoe? I think it's Tomoe, right? Tomoe? Sure. 
We'll go with that. Sorry if we got uh, the name incorrect. I didn't take notes. Tumble away. Tumble away. Tumble yeah, it's Tumway. Or okay. essentially, the way that he plays it off, it's the butt-kicking partner. Yeah, back from season one. So he is running through in a bunny outfit, sorry back, where he, where she is able to see him because their particles are still entangled, quantumly. From <laughs> butt-kicking. Due to the butt-kicking. And um, he even says that he's like, who'd have thought that you can become entangled just from having a butt-kicking partner? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes! <laughs> so then he sends her on a mission to go and find his present self, because obviously he's from the future, from like four days of the future, six days of the future, or whatever. And um, uh, he sends her on a mission to go and find his present-day self. And his present-day self then gets on the phone with him, and he says to his present-day self, hey man, don't go and try and self-sacrifice because Mai will get in the way and she will die. And I've made my decision and we're not going to interfere on Shoko's life. You know, we're not going to, we've tried messing around with it. We've tried trying to save her and everything like that, but we we just can't because it's going to affect our life. And I choose to live and I choose Mai and I choose her future and I choose our future together. And we can't mess with Shoko's life. And his present day self says to his future self, uh, fuck are you? Uh, I'm not gonna let this little girl die. So. I, I'm not gonna lie though. I was watching that and I was like, you know, I would probably be the same way because the second you tell me not to do something, I'm gonna immediately go do it in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, how dare you fucking tell me I can't go save this little girl's life? I'm gonna go do it even more. Yeah. And, like, I completely understand both perspectives. So, yeah, I, I get it. I, I would be a, It's an incredibly difficult decision to make. And Shoko actually ends up apologizing for putting that decision on him. She's like, I shouldn't have ever put you in that position. And, and so his future self then ends up going to see Mai. And when he talks to her, he tells her that he's going to... That, well, she confesses that she knew that he was going to self-sacrifice. And she has been planning it for days to save him and sacrifice herself as well. So she's been planning to self-sacrifice herself to protect him from self-sacrificing. Huh? <laughs> um, and, uh, and then she hugs him and he says, don't worry about past me. I'm going to deal with me. Please stay safe. And so he manages to get her out of the situation. So now he's just dealing with himself. And so then he then goes to the site of the accident and in his bunny suit because he knows that he can't see himself because if he sees himself it's gonna like ruin the laws of time travel or whatever and um and he'll get like eliminated so he still wears this bunny suit with the ears and he goes and pushes himself out of the way and when he goes and pushes himself out of the way they combine and the bunny suit is just left empty and which must have been really confusing for all of the bystanders oh yeah (laughs) and and then it is like kind of decided that Shoko's life is just going to be the way that it is. Like that's that's. The, but there's some really hard scenes in the film where he's talking to her and, and she's like telling him, "I'll oh, just leave it up to me," you know. And she's like nine or like twelve and telling him these things, like, "Leave it up to me. I will sort everything." Like, say she's in eighth grade, so she's like thirteen. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Because, because the her college age, yeah, and and her high school age and her elementary school age have like all combined into 
herself and she was like, I had this dream that we did all these things. Like we went to go and try on wedding dresses and stuff. We went to go, yeah, he didn't try on a wedding dress. Um, and and she's promising him that like she'll look after it all. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing for everyone involved to have to choose. That's why this movie, I think is, that's why the series in general is so difficult because there's no right decision. And yet in the end, it seems like everything is righted, but at the same time, some things change. Yeah. Because Sakata saves himself, so therefore he continues on with Mai, but he still feels guilty because he hasn't he knows what happened. And he ends so up well they he, end up forgetting Shoko. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, they forget her, and then like on the beach, that's when it registers, you remember? Oh, that's that we haven't got there oh, sorry. yet. I got ahead. Sorry, I got ahead of things. <laughs> so, uh, so he saves himself, they recombine, and he still feels guilty about it. But it's also at this time that he goes and sees Futaba, and Futaba explains that there still could be a connection. Like, what they're currently living in could still be considered the future, and the actual present is back where Shoko, because at in fourth grade whenever she does this assignment this is whenever she's the most attached to the present and that's what's causing this rift yes and so sakuta and mai go and visit shoko in the hospital well sakuta is the only one that goes in and he starts talking to shoko and he's just like look you know i'm gonna i'm gonna fix this i'll do whatever i can i'll go back in time and do my best to fix it. and she's like no She's like, I had a dream of all the stuff that happened, and it's stuff that Sakuta actually did with college-age Shoko. They went to go see what it would like to be married and all this other stuff just so college Shoko could live out, you know, middle school Shoko's dreams. Mm-hmm. And so Shoko's just like, look, I had a dream that all this stuff happened. And she said, I also realized that I'm the cause of all this, and I also realized I'm the only one that can fix it. So yeah. I will go back in time and fix all of this. And then you get an adorable little scene of Sakata and Mai sitting out in the hallway, just like sleeping on each other's shoulders. And you see the whole world around them start to fade to white and become frazzled and then just disappear to white. Yeah, it was really cool. It was like um, they took like an ED and like put it in the middle of the film. <laughs> well, not the middle, mm-hmm. like near the end. But like, it makes you think... When they do that, when they fade to, like, the pencil sketch, you get that feeling of, oh, shit, they're just going to end the film there. Yeah, like, if they had, I thought they were going to end it there. Yeah, me too. And I immediately got hot. I was like, you motherfuckers just left us with the biggest fucking cliffhanger. And even where they left it was still a cliffhanger, but we'll get there. So, fast forward to the school semester starting back because we get through new years and we get through all of that Mm -hmm. school's about to start back and sakata is at home uh and kaede is getting ready for school yeah but this is not the kaede that we have been used to seeing for the film and the past couple of episodes i have a theory that it reset kaede I feel like it to did the too. old kaede that's because how he's talking about how she has to build up the courage to go to school yeah and I was like, oh shit, the original Kaede's back. Yeah, that's what I felt like as well. Which or at least I, like a fused version. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how I feel about it. Well, I because mean Because it was uh, it was such an experience to go through all of that in the first season. But we all and fell in the, love with the original Kaede. Oh, we did Kiede? like that. Kaede. Sure. <laughs> I'm so bad at names. Anyway, 
But yeah, like we all fell in love with that original version of Kaide and then to see it change because of what happens, it was just like, oh, because again, that was one of those that uh, that made me ball in the first season. Mm-hmm. And so to see that change, it shook me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, they really are, like, leaving cliffhangers galore. Well, it really is this butterfly effect. Because not only this time did they play with, like, a quantum physics or something like that. They played a lot with time travel and how that affects with one thing mm-hmm. really affects everything else. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of leads to where else can they fucking go? Yeah. In the future. Because, again, all this stuff happens. So the past, quote unquote, is erased, but the quantum entanglement doesn't change. No. So they go on living their life as normal. Kaede is somewhat different, but we won't have answers to that until we get a second season. Oh, it's hinted at different. We can't even like fully, fully confirm that she is different. Something is different, but we're not sure what. It's like Blue said, she's either reverted back to her old self, or as Blue said, they fused in some shape, form, or fashion. Or something else. I don't know. They could throw us a left tube. I don't know. They very well could. But then you have uh, Sakata and Mai going on Life is Normal, spending Christmas together, spending New Year's together, all that other fun stuff. It's adorable. And then you have... We you have, know, they're out looking at a they're out looking at movie posters and you see them talk about the first film that Mai was a part of. Yeah. And it was uh, the story of Shoko. Yeah, a young girl with heart disease. And Mai was like, I don't know what drew me to this film, but she was like, I knew I had to star in it, and it was Mai's first big breakout film. Yeah. And then they take a trip to the beach because Sakata still has memories of the original like Shoko fiasco yeah. from the first season and so he my was just like are you just so attached to the beach because of your first love mm-hmm. and then Socrates just like oh yeah well you're attached to the beach too mm-hmm. you know blah 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 and then they get to the beach and they see middle school shoko just playing out in the water yeah and i forget what triggers it but Socrates sees it and he's i think they hear her name no, he calls her name. He just, like, sees it and triggers, and then he just, like, calls her name, and then she calls his. And then tears, and then cut. Yeah. And another thing that we forgot to mention as well is that Futaba and Mai's little sister both had remaining memories of what happened in the previous future where Mai died, but they had them um, as, dreams as dreams afterwards. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. so, like, the next... Like during those like memories of uh, those images of them like go through New Year's and stuff. There's like a, a scene where um, uh, Mai is joking with her sister and and she's like, oh, you're really close. Like you're really like close today. You're like really like snuggly. What's that going on about? And it's like, oh yeah, she had a dream of her death. And then Futaba had the dream of going to his house and trying to like pick him up and and deal with him after the aftermath of my dying as well so they both mm. had dreams of two different time periods but the same event and so you get this final scene of my sakata and shoko all reuniting and then fade to black and hit the ed from the show and my god i hate my life at this point <laughs> Yeah, and Shoko's like middle school ages. Am... Yeah, time. it's middle age Shoko. So yeah. the timeline has officially been fixed, mm-hmm. and I am losing my shit at this point. I'm crying. I just, I, I can't get myself composed. Nine and a half. Wow, that's high. I'm going to give it a eight. 
Like, oh. Yeah, it's not like it's not like there's anything specifically really, really bad about it. I just don't think that it's a genre that normally applies to me. It's not like my area of like general watching. If I wasn't watching this for the podcast, I don't know that I would pick it up on my own. That's the thing that's like the that's holding me back for this, purely just because it's just not my cup of tea. Really, really good. Animation is fantastic. Storyline is fantastic. Music is great. Relationships fantastic. Really like the scientific element. All of the stuff is really, really good. It's just not my cup of tea. So you're gonna dock it a whole two points. A whole two points. Just because it's not your cup of tea, although you really enjoyed it. I don't know. Put your posh peaky finger back on your cup and remember your anime roots, woman. I don't know, mate. Like, I, I don't know what's holding me back from it. I just don't feel like I can high, like, score it. It's like, maybe it's just, I'm just too heavy. You shit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just too heavy and I was in, like, a shit mood. This coming from the person that kids on a slope is one of their favorite anime of all time. Yeah, but I've watched that, like, how many times? Like, very few. I don't watch it frequently because it's so heavy. And it's one of those things that takes a huge toll on me. And I feel like I was just, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> Again, I'm just I'm just giving you shit whenever you write yeah. it. That's your own opinion. I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm trying to frustrate oh, you one at this thing. point. <laughs> I didn't uh-huh. like that um, their animations were so similar and it was hard to tell the difference sometimes between the two of them. The only time it was like that is in fourth grade and kids look the same. I had to mentally know which bangs were which. But yeah, overall, I have, I have zero complaints. It's that really can be good. Made. It was, it's a beautifully told story. It builds on the world. That they've been building all throughout the first season. There's still a lot more to come. I am beyond excited to see where the story is going to go. We are still left with questions that need to be answered, but they answered a lot of the questions from the first season. So it was a really good, it was a really good continuation just in a film form. It is incredibly heavy, but again, I just, I enjoy heavy stuff. Again, it came at a time where I could have used a good cry, Mm -hmm. but also, uh, I don't know if if we had actually covered this on the day that I watched it, like we were initially supposed to. Yeah, I probably would have gave it a ten, just because I was just so emotionally hyped about it. Mm-hmm. Theory slash question slash theory question. Um, okay. Scars on his chest. Are they still there or are they gone? Uh, they should be gone mm-hmm. because the timelines have been fixed. But if they reopen for some reason during the second season, we'll know that something is still amiss. Well, the thing about it is, is that I'm starting to wonder if the scars on his chest are related to specific puberty syndrome, like this specific case, or if it's just related to puberty syndrome in general. Because if it's related to whenever he's being, you know entangled with someone with puberty syndrome and then they open because of that and whenever things go to shit then they bleed which would make sense considering logic from the first season then that also explains why they didn't look like car accident wounds because it's just that they take on form whenever he is being impacted by someone who also has puberty syndrome that's a hell of a fucking puberty syndrome radar yeah, right? You know, you're just going on normal about your day. Somebody fucks up, then all of a sudden your chest is bleeding. Also, as big as those wounds are, and as much as this man has bled, how is he not fucking dead? Time to ask the real questions here for a minute. <laughs> also. Like, does this man just keep a blood bag on him at all times for the off chance that the universe decides to rip itself apart? 
While I'm thinking of this, and while we're on this topic though, I am gonna go out and say, if you can donate blood and you're eligible to donate blood, or you don't know if you're eligible to donate blood, but you wanna check, have a quick Google, go online, see if you can, and please donate. Because interesting fact about Canada, 4% of Canadians donate for the rest of the Canadian population. However, most blood transfusions need more than one bag of blood. So, Although the blood that we donate de separates into like three different components, if somebody needs like weekly blood transfusions, which is a thing, or if they've been in an accident and they need multiple blood bags, I can only donate once every three months, once every three to four months, right? So it's really not a lot. But if somebody needs like eight bags because of an accident or something, or they need a weekly blood transfusion or something, that goes really quickly and 4% is barely anything in comparison to the amount of people that need blood donate donations. And that doesn't just go for people that need blood, it also goes for lab testing for blood results for like s medical research as well. Yeah, I think the reason that vaccines were able to be created so quickly is because I've heard that they've started taking blood transfusions from people who have had COVID yeah. and actually started like going through and gathering those antibodies and everything else. And that's kind of help. Yeah. So... Uh, go through the process but 100 so if you yeah, 100 are... so if you can donate or don't know if you can donate but you want to give it a quick Google. go yeah. please because it's it can't hurt and if anything it's going to save a life like save yeah one bag can save up to three lives not only that but free snacks you do get free snacks and it doesn't take very long and i think people think it's a lot scarier than it is um it's really not i've donated i don't know like four times now, I think, four or five times. And it's really not that bad. You, Everyone's lovely in there. I feel like people, are, it's such a happy atmosphere because everyone's so grateful that you're literally giving a part of your body to help somebody else. That all of the nurses and everything that are a part of it are always so nice. And um, it doesn't take very long. And you get a bit sleepy afterwards, but there's no like really long-term effects. And I'm a small person. I'm tall, but I'm small. So me donating, it does take more out of me than it would do other people. And girls can't donate as much as boys, obviously, because of our menstrual cycle means that we lose iron and stuff, red blood cells, all that stuff, more regularly than gents do. Um, so if you're if you're a gent, you can donate more, and uh, and it's not that hard. You can just go in and you can just inquire, or you can go online and inquire. They have lots of different like websites and stuff that you can go on and just check see if you're eligible or not. You can book an appointment ahead of time, so you could do that. It takes half hour, forty five minutes maybe. First time it'll probably take a little bit longer because I have to go through some more questions than normal. But like for me, I have an app on my phone so I can just do all of like the pre questions that they get you to do every time. Like have you got no new piercing or tattoo stuff like that. I ask you all those questions, so you just pop in. They uh, take your iron levels with a prick of your finger if your iron levels are good to go. Then they send you through to the back room. They stick a bag in your arm. It's not It's not that bad. It doesn't take that long at all. I think the actual process of bleeding takes between like three and 10 minutes, I feel like, you know, depending on the person, how fast your heart rate is. If you're anxious, it'll probably take less time because your heart rate's faster. Um, <laughs> uh, it'll take me 30 seconds to get a bag full. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, you go sit out in the waiting room, they'll make you sit down for a couple of minutes just to make sure you're all good. You get some snacks, some juice, or some, like, pop or something, and they sit you on your way. It's really easy. So, yeah, there's one positive thing that comes out of this episode, please, by yeah. all means, go out and donate blood, because it's necessary, and especially whenever natural disasters happen, that is the number one thing you can do to kind of send aid. Mm-hmm. 
to those areas. So it is without a doubt a phenomenal thing to do. Yeah. And you get like key rings and pins and stuff when you get to like certain amounts of blood donating. Yay! Yeah, you can get like a badge that says congratulations, you've donated however many times or whatever. It's cool. It's a good time. Well, that's nifty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've actually been looking into bone marrow donations as well. Mm. But um, obviously that's a much more extensive extensive procedure than just donating blood. But, you know, I'm the only person also in my family scary. that's eligible to donate anything. So mm. I feel like I'm like donating for the family, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sounds, uh, sounds scary though. Yeah, it would it would be a lot. But I've had multiple surgeries, so I feel like I'm kind of more immune to it than a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd donate a kidney or a bone marrow. You know, you can donate a chunk of your liver and it grows back. Yes, the liver is like one of the only organs that can actually repair itself. Yeah, I'd donate a chunk of my liver. I would too. Why not? Yeah. Although I don't know who would want my liver. I was going to say, you, can't, you probably ever. can't donate liver. Probably not. I mean, hey, I don't know who would want this. Because no alcohol for you for the rest of your life. I think anybody with liver problems probably can't drink alcohol to start with. Uh, well, you see, the difference is those people still probably do. Whereas with mine, it will kill you (laughs) immediately. If you have liver problems, either from drinking or just liver problems in general, at least that's a slow build. (laughs) Mm. Mine, immediate. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I've been looking into more, more extreme donations, but you absolutely don't have to donate anything. And I have, I, I have my donor card on, on, upon death as well. All figured out, signed out. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm an organ donor. Mm-hmm. That's on my driver's license. Yeah. So I'm that's already there. Donor. Because I don't need them. If I'm dead. Yeah. If I'm dead. Have at it. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I always quite like the Again, idea don't of being know who donated would want my organs. Science. I mean, if somebody could use my organs, then yeah, go for it. But, like, I always quite like the idea of being, like, a brain in a jar on somebody's desk, you know? I guess a fun time. I mean, don't isn't that already happening? Doesn't Jen already have your brain that in a jar? That is true. She put glitter in the jar, and now she can shake it and becomes a snow globe. Yes! Yay! Anyways. Plugs? Uh, yeah, I don't feel like I have anything else left to say on the film. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. It was great. Mm. It was fun. It was a good time. I'm looking forward to whatever they have next. Yeah, do you know if there's any, like, news about whatever's coming next? Negative. I have no clue. Okay. But if you want more info, go read the light novels. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) So, Blue, the absolutely lovely voice that is on the other side of this podcast from me, is awesome. She has a Twitch channel. She doesn't stream right now. She's still on hiatus, but that's because life is hectic as all hell. However, if you want to be notified whenever she goes live... Twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender, or you can also follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM for those live updates as well. She also has a YouTube and TikTok account where she posts art videos sometimes at Blue Lavender, and she also has an awesome Instagram account for her dog that posts adorable bean posts at the best Tilly Bean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually have a film that I was involved in that did some voice acting work on stuff um, coming out soon. So yeah, if you wanna if you wanna know more about the Odd Pod film, be sure to Brad, you're involved in it as well, aren't you? That is the cameo that I filmed today. Yeah, actually. Yeah, so uh, be sure to check out our anime bnb anime social media for more information on that because we are going to be plugging the fudge out of that when that comes out to release soon enough so get hyped about that because you'll be hearing some proper official voice acting work from the two of us working on this film 
It's been a great project, lots of fun people involved, got some really cool cameos from some really cool people, and um, yeah, good good friends of the show have been working on it, working hard, so we are excited to properly promote that, and, and yeah, be sure to check out our social media for more information on that. But if you like Brad, the voice that has also been with me throughout this episode and throughout all the episodes for the past year, happy new year. Um, yeah, we, you can find him. <laughs> you can find him on twitch.tv slash bradcartergaming where he streams video games and fun stuff and talking about stuff and he's a big old idiot on there. So go give him some love because idiots need more love than regular people. We all know this. And... <laughs> And he also has a Instagram account at Broadcast Gaming as well, where he posts some fun pictures and it's a good time. He also runs our social media for our uh, for the podcast stuff, where we're also going to be putting out those promo stuff for the film. So be sure to check that out at BNB Anime on all of the socials. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff uh, at BNB Anime. We also have a YouTube channel where we have all of our previously archived episodes. So if you missed one this year, last year, and you want to go check that out, feel free to go to our YouTube channel, hit us up in those comments section, let us know your thoughts and feelings and opinions, because they're all going to be on there. You can find them all on there. As well as on our website, www.bnbanime.com. We have more information about the Oddpod film, should probably be going up on the website as well, along with some other voice acting projects that we've worked on, behind the scenes stuff, Friends of the Podcast, all of our archived episodes along with links to download and places to download them if you want to listen on Spotify or whatever. It's all on there. And uh, yeah, more stuff on, on the website. Go check that out. It's a fun time. So thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Next week, we are starting a brand new anime that neither Blue nor I know nothing about called 91 Days. All I know is TK worked on either the OP or the ED. I'm not certain, but all I know is that man could... Sing me a lullaby, and I would be totally happy with myself, so totally worth watching. Mm-hmm. But also, it's gonna be the, the show first... was actually requested by some of you guys. Mm. So I'm looking forward to just taking another user request and see what you all are interested in. Also, I've heard really good things. I think I've seen one of the gunfight scenes in the show. Mm-hmm. So I am intrigued. Not sure what we're getting into, but we will find out next week. Yeah, and we're no longer that... recording, so we'll be yeah. back to regular news and stuff like that. Yeah, but other than that, we will catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.